Precious Jesus, the first print of today from Second Maccabees chapter seven. As we know, the book of Maccabees is one of the books of Apocrypha, which is exclusively in the Bible that we Catholics use. The apocryphal writings are not found in the Pentecostal or the Protestant Bible. 
may communicate to us the different mysteries of the kingdom of God and how it operates. Giving us the story of seven brothers and their mothers whose faith in God was tested by a wicked king who compelled them under torture with whips and cords to partake of unlawful swine flesh. Not that swine is bad, but a demand was made by the Spirit of God that the people of God should not partake of swine. That swine should be offered as a sacrifice. No one who offers a sacrifice is a sacrifice. Amen? Amen. When something is given as a sacrifice, do you eat it again? Do you take possession of it again? No. It has been given and it has been given, right? Now the king says, come and partake of swine. And one of them said, what do you intend to ask and learn from us? We are ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our fathers. Wow. And the second was at his, at his last breath and he said, you are cursed wretch. You dismiss us from this present life. For the king of the universe will rise us up again. Raise us up again to an everlasting renewal of life. This was in the Old Testament. This was already where? In the Old Testament, before the coming of Christ. But they were already familiar with the life, what they call the everlasting life, the very life of God Himself. The problem with many Christians is that they have not made the necessary migration from the ordinary life to the supernatural life, the everlasting life, the superior life, the indefatigable life. They still live from the resources of the natural life. Praise the Lord. Look at me. Look at me. No more distractions, okay? You must understand this. Very crucial. Don't take your life for granted. The greatest sin you can commit that will eat up your soul without you knowing it is the sin of presumption. So we must understand that God's interest is not for you to live with your natural life. He wants you to live with what? The supernatural life. You must understand this. It's very important. Look at them in the Old Testament. How did they understand about this, the other life, the supernatural life that God was to be what God was planning to bring to us through Christ. How? It's by their faith in God. Their faith in God was not the ordinary. You dismiss us from this present life, but the King of the universe will raise us up to an everlasting renewal life, an endless life, a life that does not subject to death again. Wow. After him, the third was the victim of their sport. When he, he was demanded, he quickly put out his tongue and courageously stretched out his hand and said nobly, 
I get these from heaven. And because of these laws, I defend them. And from him, I hope to get them back again. What are you communicating? We have the physical body. We have the spiritual body. And they all died. Including their mother. Paul was praying the second reading. He says, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. What a prayer. May the Lord direct your heart. Because many hearts have transgressed. To the love of God, one, two. To the steadfastness of Christ. It is the love of God and the steadfastness in Christ that brings you to the realm of that everlasting life, that eternal life. So we can crystallize from the first reading and the second reading what I call the culture of the everlasting life. Which is actually what all of us should be addressed with. The devil, the way he contested this culture in the lives of these seven brothers and their mothers, the devil has not changed his tactics. He will continue to contest this grace in your heart. One of the things that have helped me over the years is that the Holy Spirit continually, you know, keeps convicting me and saying, hey, don't presume. There is still more. There is still more. Start yourself to step in. Work it out. It's your responsibility to work yourself into the realm God has requested to us. And that is what has you know, triggered this passion I have to keep getting deeper and deeper into the realm that God has packaged for us. The realms of the supernatural. The realms of what? I can't hear you. Anything you are doing in Christianity and it's not taken to the realms of supernatural, you won't go far. Your faith operates by the supernatural. Righteousness is by the supernatural. Prayer life is by the supernatural. To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might is by the supernatural. You cannot forgive your enemies except you gain what? Supernatural abilities. Very important. So talking about the culture of everlasting life, there are three great you know, ingredients that constitute the culture of everlasting life. As crystallized from the first signal is already no one is faith. Faith is the first ingredient. Number two is loyalty. Loyalty. The first one is faith. Have you seen it? For those with the writing material, there are some who are looking at me. Keep giving me reason one day to give you a very hot embarrassment. I've said it before. Don't come and sit down before Father Vincent and be watching. If I wrote what I'm telling you, then you must come with the writing material and write too. If that offends you, sorry, you cost it. 
Praise the Lord. Don't take me for granted again. Very important. Number one is what? Number two is what? Number three is what? Hmm, I trust you. Number two is morality. Morality. First ingredients of the culture of everlasting life, faith, loyalty, and morality. This key culture is called, called the culture of the kingdom of God. Every kingdom has a culture that rules it. Every kingdom has a culture that rules it. And so if you say you belong to the kingdom of God, then it means this is what governs your culture or the ingredients of your culture. Faith, loyalty, and morality. And you can see that displayed in the, seven, in the life of these uh, seven brothers. Did they have faith in God? Did they have faith? Good. Were they loyal? They refused to bend to the demand of the king. They were loyal to God, even not to death. Was there any morality displayed? Yes. They refused to defy themselves of the required, what the king required of them. We must sustain this. You cannot walk in the grace of the everlasting life without these three things manifested in your life. As a matter of fact, for you to have said, I have received eternal life, it means that these three things are to work in you. Saving faith, not just superficial faith. The saving faith that comes from Christ. Two, loyalty. Must be loyal to Jesus. Three, must be sustained by his morality. You cannot say that you have received eternal life and it doesn't affect your morality. Praise the Lord. There are Christians who pick up inspiration from every nook and cranny of the society. They will say in our culture, they will say, they say, they will quote science, they will quote technology, they will quote great writers in the wisdom of this world and pick what they say as a standard to govern their lives. They make a very big mistake. The Bible says that the wisdom of this world will come to naught. The wisdom of this world will come to nothing. That means it has nothing to offer. If you want to begin to walk in the light of this grace of everlasting life, you must sustain this great three ingredients of faith, loyalty, and morality. It's good again we'll make a, a very big paradigm shift. Many Christians still believe that if everlasting life comes to them on the when they die. When they die and go to heaven, they now say, Oh, I'm pursuing everlasting life. A child of God, you have to understand that our God is not a God who waits for you out there to die first before he gives you that life. 
Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 10, I have come that you may have life. Praise the Lord. Which life is he talking about? Is it this life you have already? No. As far as you're concerned, this life we have already, which were better for my parents, cannot be, is not sustainable. It lacks credibility, it lacks the capacity to fulfill the destiny of capturing God. And so as many who dwell with the, you know, the supply of this animal life cannot go far in fulfilling their mission in God. And that's why anything we do from that realm does not last. It lacks capacity to transcend, you know, to, 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 you know, to go beyond the temporal. But watch all the people who have lived their life, engaging the energy of the eternal life. You can see that they died 300, 400 years ago. Still up to now, they are in passing generations. Shout to the man. God so loved the world, the Bible says, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have what? Eternal life. Shall possess eternal life. Not when the person dies, but immediately he believes the seed of eternal life is planted in the soul of that person. And as he waters that seed through the agency of the word of God, through devotion and piety, and walking in light of the word of God, that seed begins to grow. And as the seed grows, the seed begins to manifest faith, saving faith, confident faith, absolute faith in God, the undying faith. As you keep feeding with the word of God, loyalty comes up. You begin to disengage from other forms of loyalty and then subscribe to giving God all the glory. Becoming loyal to what God demands. And as you keep watching that seed in your heart, it develops inside of you a new morality. Every other morality begins to lose their grace. If these seven boys did not pass through this, they could have stood before that king to challenge him to his face and to withstand the threat of death. That is why this word is coming to us today to assess ourselves and evaluate ourselves to what degree have you grown in that new life that Jesus has brought for you? How much have you invested in that thing? God does not give you the only grown plant. He gives you the seed. You have a responsibility to water it and make it grow. That's why he said that if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, that means he gives you faith in form of seed. He gives you the seed of humanity in form of seed. He gives you the seed of morality in form of seed. And all is wrapped up in that everlasting life. You now possess everlasting life. When you open it up, this is the content of that life. You can tell people to repent today. Oh, repent and serve God. They will repent today. But if they don't receive the seed of everlasting life, tomorrow they will still go back to where they came from. You can pray for someone today and the person will be blessed. 
If he doesn't have the seed of everlasting life, he cannot sustain that blessing for long. Before you know it, the person dries up again. But God's purpose and intention is that when he gives it to you, in the course of your life, you'll be fully engaged. Having the soft man that can run you. He fuels your life in such a way that if you are going to live for 70, 80 years, you have enough fuel to power you to live for the supernatural until you die. That's why the Bible says that even in your old age, they shall be full of soft, still green. Are we together here? Are you blessed? Say thank you, Jesus. You must understand this. That seed has been planted in you. You've got to develop it. And how you know that you have received the seed as you develop it is that you will see yourself increasingly having faith in God. Your faith grows. Your loyalty to God grows. The quality of your morality knows strengthens up. Things that you used to accommodate in the past as you keep growing in this life you will see that the demand is made of you. You start dropping them. You start incurring a new type of morality. Without nobody forcing you, it will come. It is called metamorphosis. From one level of glory to another level of glory. And as it continues, you see that there are certain things that may not be seen in themselves. They are not categorically seen. But if you see yourself, the spirit begins to demand from you and say, don't do this again. The things you feel that is not necessary, the spirit will say, start doing this one. Lord Paul says, as many who are led by the spirit of God, these are what? The sons and the daughters of God. Amen. Amen. We must cherish this seed of everlasting life God has given to us. And when you stir that gift up, it becomes a burning flame. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I verse 12, He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, for he shall possess the light of life. That light of life is still the everlasting life. The incredible light that when you are ignited with it can keep your life floating over circumstances and situations. God is not interested in binding your life with laws and regulations. Because laws don't help you become the best of you. Laws only restrict you. But the spirit makes you to become that which he wants you to be. And that is why when you begin to move, you go out of law and start walking by grace. At that level, you don't need someone to come and tell you, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. If your life is full of don't do this, don't do this, you will never manifest. If you are conscious of don't do this so much in your life, it means you are still having some issues. And so the law has to curb you. It's a restraining. The law is a restraining. You also curb your rebellion. You also curb your inability to restrain yourself. So the law will help restrain you. But once you are fully restrained, and the Bible says, when your obedience is perfected, the Spirit now leads you. And it begins to lead you to achieve things that will make you relevant in the presence of the Father. May you come and be awakened to the reality of God's investment in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. 
apostles every day as you meet up the needs of life is to make sure that this seed that God has planted in you will grow. That is the, the right justice of the kingdom that Jesus said. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and the righteous demands of it and every other thing will be added. When you develop the supernatural seed of everlasting life that is in your soul, it has capacity to begin to network your life and by supernatural energy of God, begin to make things that are supposed to come your way to begin to come. We all need a supernatural dimension in our lives. Why do you pray? You pray so the power of God can influence the things you are praying about. Hallelujah. Amen. Why do you pray when you are sick? Oh, let the power of God come and heal my sickness. Why do you pray if you are traveling? Oh, let the power of God come and be with me in my journey. So whenever there is any you know, uh, accident trying to occur, the power of God will preserve you. Two of us. Why do you pray when you find out that you have children that are not you know, succumbing to what you are communicating to them? You feel that something is influencing them. You are asking the power of God to come and shape their mind. You need the supernatural. And God knows that. And now He has given you the seed of the supernatural. And He expects you to allow their seed to grow until you are overwhelmed by that supernatural. Let's look at the scripture a little bit on this dimension that God is talking to us. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. I need the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49. Just some little insight to understanding this everlasting life God has given to us. Verse 49. Okay, let's start from verse um, from verse 47. He said, the first man is of the earth. The first man. Who is the first man? I can't hear you. Which Adam? Which Adam now? Eh? Eh? Okay. I thought I could confuse you. He said, as the first man is of the earth, so Adam was of the earth, and so earthly. The second man is the Lord, and is from where? From heaven. Who is the second man? Jesus. Huh? Jesus. Okay, that's good. Verse forty-eight now says, "As is the eighty, so are also that are eighty. That means as many who are born of the of Adam, they are eighty, and as the heavenly, so are they." That are heavenly. Verse 49 and says, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, have we borne the image of the earthy? Praise the Lord. Have we borne the image of the earthy? From who? So your, your father is Adam. Huh? Where did you bear the earthy from? Adam. Have you seen Adam before? Where did you bear the earth from? Our eh? our yes, our parents. Okay. Hmm. From one generation to another. Okay. So it now says in verse um, 48, as is the earth, so are also those are earthly. And as and as is the heavenly, so are they also that are heavenly. 
And as we have bought the image of the earthy, so also we bear what? The image of the heavenly. What is Paul trying to say now? Something that it is when we die, then the other image will come. No. The other image is a supernatural image. It's the inside of you now. The Bible calls him the inner man. Okay? You have him inside of you now. With the spiritual eyes, you can see that one. With the physical eyes, we see the earthy. With the spiritual eyes, we see the heavenly. So God has clothed us both with the earthy and the heavenly. That is why when somebody dies now, you can see the person in the spirit still moving, right? If he has what a hand, he has eyes, the hairs are still there. But that body now is not subject to space and time. When God wants to relate with you, he doesn't talk to this body. He talks to that other one. Because God is spirit. Spirit can only communicate towards the spirit. And when your spirit now trusts that, it has the ability to communicate it to the body. And you cannot begin to get a response. Are we together here? Yes. Say thank you, Jesus. Yes. So as we have bought the image of the earthly social, we also bought the image of the heavenly. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So this flesh and this blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. So we must understand that we have the physical body and have the spiritual body. And God's intention is that the spiritual body rules your life. He wants to live your life on here, not based on your physical body, but to live your life based on what? On the spiritual body. And the spiritual body, when it contacts that seed of eternity, is energized to manifest faith in God, loyalty in God, and morality in God. That's why you don't live from the physical. You live from the spiritual. Jesus came to show us the way. He was... Man, a man moving around everywhere. But you could see that everything he did, he was doing from the realm of the spirit. Not because he was the son of God. He came to show us that that's how to live. And that's why when he left, the disciples still continued living that life. Peter was living that life, even though he denied Christ too. But after that, he grew up in that dimension, developed his own grace. And then you see that even his shadow was in the feet. He could cast out demons. Because now he was not taking advantage of the energy of the invisible body. If you see yourself in, the re, in the, your invisible body, if you see it, you waste your time on this whole attention you are giving to the physical body. The demand of the physical body, you, you mortgage it. You say no. Because many things we are doing is because we are not seeing ourselves in the realm of the spirit. So we keep wasting our energy trying to beautify this one. Let's go for a little bit. Second Peter. Second Peter. Chapter 1. Thank you, Jesus. Second Peter, chapter 1. I read from verse 4. He said, Whereby we're giving unto us exceeding great and precious promise that. By this, you might be partakers of the divine nature. Some may partake of the divine nature. Some may partake of the divine nature. Now, when you say it this way, you have to be conscious of it. Just the way you are conscious of your body. The divine nature is already in you. Paul Peter says we are partakers of the divine nature. No longer our mother and father nature was given to us. 
That nature is what is every time demanding things from you. Please, Holy Spirit, say thank you, Jesus. Now, you see, the problem we have is that because we are not investing in this uh, divine nature, we are living from the human nature or the bodily nature, then we are vulnerable. Check well, 95% of your prayer intentions are because you have not resolved the crisis of relating with the supernatural body. Sickness, failure, fear, intimidation, attacks from demonic forces, limitations, hardship, pain, suffering. All these are the consequence of living from the human nature. Because the force is contending with you. When they see you are living from the resource of the human nature, they see that you are not guarded. You are not protected. So they can affect you. You are not engaging force that can contend with them. But Peter said, having been partakers of the divine nature, the divine nature gives us escape. From what? Read it up there again. That's verse 4. He said, having been partakers of the divine nature, having what? Escape the corruption that is where in heaven. Ah, oh. that word, that that word, corruption there is condemnation. And what is condemnation? In Greek, it's called katakrima. What does katakrima means? It means adverse sentence, negative sentences. So what you are asking God in prayer to do for you, He has bequeathed to you in that seed of immortality that is in your soul. Shout a big amen. Since I discovered this, I don't pray against sickness any longer. I don't pray against attacks of the devil any longer. What do I do? I engage my immortal body. I engage my supernatural body. But if I want to slap you, I will engage my physical body. Praise the Lord. If I want to eat food, I engage my physical hand. But when I want to deal with the spirit, I engage my spiritual hand. Praise the Lord. So I have a spiritual body. And I have a physical body. Say my spiritual body is superior to my physical body. I live from there. I will pray for my spiritual body. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now, you have to understand that the food of the spiritual body is different from the food of the physical body. If your attention so much is on the physical body, then you are making yourself vulnerable because the spiritual body will be neglected. So, what I'm sharing all these results is to understand what inspired these seven brothers and their parents and their mother to ask the way they acted. They have lived this life that way. And it has become like a normal thing for them. So when death came, death could not threaten them. Why are we so afraid? Why are we so empty? Why are people running from pillar to post? Because they are living from the flesh. They are living from the physical body. The only Christians didn't fear anything. Why are we so afraid? Ask yourself. Was so afraid of sickness? They tell you have cancer. Oh, they tell you have cancer. You start crying. You become despondent. And then we like to become religious about it and trusting God. You are trusting God. When He gave you escape already, it's the problem. The first pope is this: the first encyclical or second encyclical. Eh? The first have the first Peter and second Peter, right? This is the second encyclical. He's telling you 
that God has fulfilled his promises. And now you are a partaker of the divine nature. On account of this, you have escaped the corruption in the world. Sickness is a corruption. Limitations are corruption. Negativity are corruption. God does not be, God does not know that corruption. It's the devil that bears what corruption. He has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. You won't see him with God, but he has a way of galvanizing negative energies that produces the things you see, that limits you, that frustrates you, that causes the decadence we see. And God knows that physical body or physical clothing cannot prevent you from that energy. You can be in a closed house. That will not protect you. And because God is love, He gives us something that can help preserve you eternally. But not just on earth, even when you now cross over, you begin to leave it again. He gave you the divine nature. And when that nature comes upon you, it demands faith, loyalty, and morality. So when some people say, hey, Father, uh, this thing, I don't know how to stop it. You are fooling yourself. Oh, if I sin, I can go to confession. You are going to confession. But what? You are destroying. You are not loyal to the seed that has been given to you. So that's why your life keeps remaining what? Vulnerable. That is why Christian is not made for weak minds and lazy bodies. Write it now. Write it well, boldly. Write it in capital letters. Christianity is not meant for weak minds and lazy bodies. You pamper yourself to destruction. You coat yourself with all kinds of wild pleasures. You make your mind vulnerable to all kinds of things that have you know, been paraded everywhere. Just imagine these seven boys and their mothers. Death could not trap them. They were they were they broke his tongue and they cut his tongue. He broke his hand again. Can you imagine that? When I was reflecting on this and saying, God, oh Holy Spirit. Do you know what it means for someone to bring out his tongue and the universe and cut it? And to show you that what you are doing is nonsense, he gave you his hand again. And they see the king marveled at the courage. It doesn't come from uh, physical body. You look at the, do away with the physical one. We have the, the one inside that you cannot cut. The immortal body. Stop living superficial Christianity. It has been given to you. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Say I'm supernatural. The way I even say it says is like you don't believe it. I am say it again. I am yes. It is not supernatural depot that gives you escape. The more you honor that supernatural dimension in you by the kind of faith that comes from the gospel, by loyalty. You are living not for yourself, you are living for that life. But your morality is being controlled by that life. Not what the world is brandishing. The world will tell you all kinds of things. It's a very simple mathematics. So we carry this treasure in every vessel. And the excellence may not be of us, but the be of God. I'm internally loaded. 
I know I'm having something inside of me. It is what I carry that determines the lifestyle I live. Not what they are showing me. Tensions can come and go. Is it consequential? What I carry determines how I dress. Amen. What I carry determines my principles. What I carry determines what I pay loyalty to. If you don't define this in your life, dear child of God, you'll be preparing yourself to celebrate several years and anniversaries of failures. You are the one to take up this responsibility. When Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself. That means deny the physical body. Take up his cross, meaning begin to live from the spirit and follow me. Then, follow the path I will show you. Finally, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. And then we'll pray. First Peter chapter one verse twenty three. I love Jesus. In the gospel it says, and being sounds of revelation, sounds of resurrection. He called us sounds of resurrection. Let's look at it in First Peter one twenty three. It says, being born again. Not of corruptible seed. I can't hear you. Say corruptible seed. Corruptible seed. What is a corruptible seed? Huh? Hello. What is corruptible? Wait, something is corruptible. What do you mean by that? Perishable. Perishable. Uh-huh. And that word? Give me more words. Perishable. Huh? Die. Decay. Hmm? Mortal. Okay. Thank you. You understand that. He said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, perishable seed, a seed that can decay, or whatever, but of incorruptible. So, what he's saying is that we are born of God by the incorruptible. What is not it cannot be corrupted. It cannot decay. It's not subject to decadence. That is what bettered you in the spirit. So I'm born of the incorruptible. This must be what must inform your mind every day. You must live from this realm every day. When you accept what God has done and acknowledge it and celebrate it, you activate the power thereof. You activate that power to overwhelm you. I'm not born of anything corruptible. I'm born of the incorruptible seed that comes from God. The Bible calls it incorruptible seed of the word of God which lives and abides forever. Peter is not telling us this. You're not born of corruptible seed. You are born of what? Incorruptible seed of what? The word of God and what? That lives and abides forever. Two of us. Then why are you living as if you are corruptible? 
Why do you even think corruption? Why do you think decadence? Why do you accept the world that tells you all kinds of things? Why do you live your life within the limits of what is perverse? Why do you allow fear? Because the ingredients that brings about corruption and decadence, there are four of them. I've never mentioned them here before. Fear, doubt, unbelief, and what? And ignorance. These are the four ingredients that cause decadence anywhere. Mention them again. Let me hear you. One. Two. Three. Four. Whenever you find these four things, if you like, pray and fast for ten years. The devil will have his way. Mention it again so that those who didn't hear it will hear it well. What again? One. Two. Three. Or anywhere you find any of this having the upper hand, the devil has a free way. And the biggest thing is that when you begin to grow this seed of immortality, to extinguish these four things in your heart, to replace fear with what? Faith. To replace doubt with hope. Replace unbelief with believing. And replace ignorance with what? Knowledge. And no one can take away these four things from you. You are the one to extinguish it through the living and the word of God that dies forever. And so we can see that these seven brothers and their mother were people who had grown themselves in this dimension. Supposing tomorrow you find yourself in the same scenario like them, what is going to be your stand? What is going to be your stand? How much of fear is he holding you? By the grace of God, as time goes on, all these days we're going to know. A little bit more on how fear, doubt, unbelief, and ignorance have characterized the decisions and the choice to make because they thought that it will end them well. We trust the Holy Spirit to expose this to us today to help us. We must open ourselves to the Holy Spirit and allow Him. To sanctify us, to sanctify our minds and our bodies, and help us see the much that God has directed in our spiritual take advantage of it, to live a glorious freedom life on earth and live a powerful life in heaven.